<laughs> um, but we could also, I guess we didn't save that uh, <laughs> taste the biscuit thing, but I'm sure everyone knows about it. <laughs> Taste the biscuit. It, it is. It is along. It is along that line. So, um, yeah. Just you know, just as a as a get start to our episode. Um, I'm Josh. Uh, Josh Carter of Where There's a Willis, There's a Way. Hi, I'm Kendrick. Also of Where There's a Willis, There's a Way. <laughs> howdy, howdy. First time, long um, so time. We're just, yeah, <laughs> long time, no siege. Um, so we're just gonna get started on on the the rightest of foots that we can get started on. Um, so I'm sending you a link to a political video that I've watched probably a dozen times. I don't know if you've seen it yet. Oh, yes. I thought the biscuit lady was related to this. No, I don't. I don't think it is. She rhymed constitution with awesome. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> oh no. Oh wow. <laughs> the end. I love how So, first of all, the video, uh we'll put a link in the show notes. The video is of a oh, yeah. woman I'm not even going to say her name. She doesn't need more advertising. Um mm-hmm. She's a running for office, some state office in some state. And it's very bad. But not only is it very bad, her 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 listing off of things doesn't even make any sense. She's like, uh, I don't want any government, but also I want to make sure there's plenty of police. And I'm like, what? <laughs> uh, and then it ends with- An episode with, where we, oh, go ahead. <laughs> and, and it ends with, also as a woman, I know what a woman is. And bye. It's like, they're like, look, you have 58 seconds to get this whole song in. And she's like, all right, I got to get that one line. <laughs> I have to rhyme constitution with corruption in the weirdest yeah. way possible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, it's funny because the video looks extremely low budget. Like someone took it on her phone and yeah. they're in her backyard and they're like, here you go. We're going to make a commercial. And to be fair, it did go viral. Uh, I don't think anybody in her demographic or like target audience is probably the getting this i don't know but at Mm -hmm. some point in this video you see a headshot uh that looks like very professional like ah this is very well done um so they spent money on the headshots but not on the commercial Mm -hmm. it's so good it's so good um yeah if we if we spent all the time uh that we had today talking about um you know like people saying one thing and meaning another the hypocrisy within that we would be here for many many moons many moons we don't have enough time to to do all that so yes um obviously bars bars exist and this person's got them just in spades 
Oh, I thought you meant for yeah. like drinks. And then I thought you meant like she, she, there was a high bar and she had to pass, but nope, nope. You meant nope. rhyming. You meant rhymes. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Well, that's a good opening to this episode. So this is our little bonus content that we put out between episodes of where there's Willis, there's a way for all of our jokes or jokes and jams. Um, today on this episode, we're going to talk about, uh, sequels and our favorite sequels. We're also going to talk about some of what we've been watching and then we're going to um, wrap up with some Bruce Willis news that we have. Um, so first of all, let's talk about sequels. So this topic came up because we just covered Whole 10 Yards, which was a sequel to Whole 9 Yards. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think there's a difference in my mind, and I don't know what your thinking is, sequel and an unplanned sequel or prequel. Mm-hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. an example would be, um, something like, uh, Lord of the Rings, right? When they made Lord of the Rings and they released Fellowship of the Ring, they already had two towers like ready to go. So that wasn't like, oh, Fellowship of the Ring was a big success. Let's go out and do two towers. Oh, we got to come up with a story as opposed to whole 10 yards. They came out and they were like, oh, well, I guess we got to come up with a story now and go with it. So, um, Curious, do you have any favorite sequels that you think uh or prequels um of either of those categories that uh you want to mention? And I'll also call out one thing I didn't say in our main episode was the a sequel and a prequel both have the power to make the original work better or worse. Mm-hmm. And um there are a lot of really bad prequels and sequels, and they actually make the original work worse like you could be like oh, i really like this movie and then a prequel comes out and like explains a bunch of mysteries and suddenly the original movie midichlorians yeah exactly that's a, that's a good yeah. example uh yep. so i think it's important to like you can't just write off sequels and prequels even if you're like oh i don't i don't that movie doesn't exist to me um yeah. but it yeah. becomes so, like a part of the franchise's legacy in some way or another because even if you try to ignore the fact that the Ma- Matrix pre or sequels exist or whatever, they they still do. Um, but yeah, I think that there's plenty of examples of really good sequels and prequels, though. Um, so I'll just list out some of them that are in like my letterbox list kind of up towards the top. Uh, I love Mad Max Fury Road, one of my three movies that I've rated five stars out of five stars on Letterboxd. Um, joining the likes of the first alien in 2001, a space odyssey, because I love sci-fi and those sorts of things. Um, that movie is kind of weird too, because it's also like a, a re a reboot quill mm. because it is still a sequel canonically, but it reboots some other stuff. Like in particular, the actor that plays Mad Max. Um, so love Mad Max Fury road. Um, I also think that many of the James Bond movies are pretty good, but that's also kind of a, a different different can of worms. Same thing with uh, some of the X-Men movies. I think that some of those are pretty good. Yeah, but... I was going to ask you about that. So there are franchises where mm-hmm. obviously when they make one, they're not necessarily thinking like, oh, we're going to make this. James Bond is a good example. When they made some James Bond movies, they're not like, all right, in 30 years, we're going to be making Casino Royale. So 
but but it's also like a franchise based on a known work so it's yeah. a, it, it it's kind of strange and different there and then also especially with other modern franchises like marvel movies mm-hmm. D- dc movies other star trek star wars um some of those stories aren't necessarily like potentially planned out exactly yeah. but um they're based on like a known um a known property known, known property so i'll call it one of mine a prequel I think Rogue One. So with the mm. recent advent of the Andor TV show, I went back and rewatched Rogue One. Mm-hmm. And um, I really, I like that movie. It's definitely flawed. It's got some problems. But I think that's yeah. an example of a movie that um, made uh, A New Hope better. Because mm-hmm. you, when there's like one line in that movie, right, where they're like talking about how they got the plans for the Death Star. And then mm-hmm. the, other, the other thing in spoilers for Rogue One is the whole movie is about getting the plans for the Death Star and then also explaining why there was such an obvious flaw in the Death Star. Yeah. And I think they did it in a way that makes sense and like seemed grounded and realistic and was like a fun movie to watch and explained away like a major flaw in why people were always like, why is the Death Star so stupidly easy to yeah, to, to, to destroy? And that was definitely not... when they When they made... When Lucas made Star Wars... He was not thinking, okay, someday we're going to make a movie called Rogue One that explains why they got these plans. And, <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, no, he yeah. wasn't at all. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. You got another one? Uh, yeah, I think that um, Empire Strikes Back is one that obviously has to be brought up. Some people call it one of the best sequels of all time. Um, I think it's it's amazing. It elevates a lot of the stuff from the first movie. I, I went back and forth on which one I like better, and I think I like Star Wars but I go back and forth. It really depends on the day. I like the mm-hmm. really focused nature of Star Wars. Empire Strikes Back has stuff that I really, really like in it. But the the focus shifting constantly between Luke and the the rest of the gang, I kind of wish that they were all together for the movie because um, I enjoy their their chemistry and stuff like that. And Return of the Jedi is just doo-doo in a lot of different ways, in my opinion. So... I'll never forgive um, it for splitting them up, but I do love Empire. I'm not a Star Warsologist, Star, mm-hmm. Star Wars sage, but when they made Star Wars, was there a plan for Empire, or was that was that a happy coincidence where they were like, "Wow, this movie did great. Let's try to come up with a sequel." It was. It was a let's try to come up with a sequel. Okay, so there yeah. wasn't, as far as we know, there was no plan for a sequel when they released Star Wars. No, and and I don't think that Lucas was like opposed to making more of them because he doesn't kill off Darth Vader obviously at the end of the first movie. Um, that was something yes. that they yeah. they did later. But that was I don't think that that movie barely got released in the first place to where a lot of the cast and crew weren't even at the premiere because they were expecting it to go so poorly. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. the the Darth Vader's end in that movie with him like being the only survivor is my mm-hmm. only thought of like oh did they have a plan in place. Um, did he have like an, a full story he wanted to tell, hoped, hoped he could tell? Um, maybe, maybe. Yeah. Uh, um, okay. Do you have any more? Yeah. Uh, I think uh, Blade Runner 2049 should be mentioned. I don't like it as much as I like the first movie. I'm one of the weirdos, but I think it's a very, very good sequel for sure. And a great movie in its own right. And yeah, that's, that's a good call. And Aliens. I like, I like Aliens. Yeah. Yeah. Aliens is another example of a movie that was great and kind of stood by Alien. It was great, stood stood on its own. And then another mm-hmm. director was like, I'm going to make a completely different 
you know, feeling movie in the same story setting and was like a great follow up. Um, Oh, I guess T2 would be another good example. Another James Cameron. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Speaking of James Cameron, unrelated, are you uh, excited about Avatar? Avatar? I'm not really. I didn't love the first one. And so I will probably do my due diligence as an American and go give him money Uh, at the theater. uh Um, uh-huh. here you go Mr. He's, Cameron here's my he's suffering he's suffering I don't yeah. <laughs> I don't uh, get out to the movies as often as I wanted to or I would totally go see the re-release of Avatar uh-huh. I I also did not care for it when it first came out um, I thought the th- I saw the 3D and the 3D kind of gave me a headache and I didn't mm. I thought it was pretty but I was never wowed I don't think I've seen it since I saw it in the theater um mm-hmm. But, you know, I think that that view seems to be common felt, but I've seen a lot of people who really felt that way and then they go see it again and they're like, oh, actually, it still kind of holds up. So I would like to go see it, but I probably won't. Um, yeah. The the re-release. I probably will make an effort to go see Way of Water, The Way of Water, whatever the next one's called. Oh, we yeah. should have a uh, Willis uh, meetup. Mm. At the Willis, uh, Willis Way Pod, Way of Water. Yeah, Willis Way Pod of Water. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have a couple more sequels that I want to call out. The okay. Fast and Furious franchise, another franchise that, yep, not not based on an existing work, sort of pseudo based on, or so, sort of pseudo kind of became a franchise. And then, um, I don't know if you're a fan of the of the Fast franchise, but I haven't Fast watched five, any of them yet. Fast Five with the introduction of The Rock sort of changed the whole uh, feel of the movies. Like the first few, they're literally just stealing players off the back of a truck while doing some street racing. And then by the, you know, seventh and eighth one, they're fighting robots and driving on submarines and it's just, everyone one ups itself. Um, And then uh, lastly, I want to say Paddington two, probably one Mm. of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, Great follow-up to Paddington. Also a great movie, but Paddington two special place in my heart. It's a really good example. It's a really good example. I would also be remiss if I didn't say my favorite childhood movie of Toy Story 2. So I love that one. Wow, well. you're a big Toy Story 2 guy. Yep. I like Toy Story 2 more than I like the first one. Oh. So, yeah. Um, I'd probably go 1342. Wow. Four above two. I liked four. That was like just off my off the cuff rating. I so didn't not dislike a, not four, but not a we bad gotta movie. Do a, we got to do a Pixar talk at some point. Yeah. Okay. We'll save that. We'll yeah. save that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> another, I forgot to mention this at the top, but since we've last talked, we've passed 3000 listens on anchor and I meant Woo! to pull up our, I meant to pull up our other thing to get our full listen. Maybe by the Less next time. The we, action nerds podcast yeah, network. Like next, by the next time we talk, I'll try to pull, uh, the full listener count but that that's uh that's a good um thing to to uh a good number to be uh okay let's uh move on i wanted so i've had a long list of like shows and movies that i've seen lately that i wanted to shout out or talk about for a sec yeah. um i want to start by talking about a tv show called welcome to wrexham have you heard of this show Mm-mm. 
So it's currently airing on FX on Hulu. And the premise is Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney um, buy a Welsh football club. And I won't get into the full details. The show does. The show is, um, if you're familiar with Ted Lasso, the show feels kind of like Ted Lasso, but in real life, it's like a documentary. Hmm. Uh, it It is definitely targeted towards Americans in that it explains how um, European football works and how the, the system works and how the leagues work and how the clubs work. But essentially, um, they bought a very low tier club in a city called Wrexham. And uh, with the hope that they can like improve it and get it like moving up through the ranks and get into like some better leagues and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's a fairly small town in Wales. And uh, the documentary is like both talking about how neither Rob McElhenney or Ryan Reynolds know much about football or owning a club. <laughs> They're just kind of like, this sounds fun and we should try this. Um and it's like heartfelt and really interesting and, and talks a lot about uh, the, the the country of Wales and the city and the people there and um, the culture around it. It's kind of like uh, a mid-sized town that that had like previous coal mining. Now coal mining's kind of moved out so they don't have a big industry there anymore. And it's people who, this is the second oldest football club in the world. Hmm. Um, so it's like a very, very old, early 1800s is when the club was founded. Um, and there's a lot of history with the club and uh but it's also like i find both ryan reynolds and rob McElhenney a little grating in their performances like i've never loved any of their movies or tv Mm -hmm. shows but their on-screen presence is very funny and they're like very charismatic but also very honest um uh it's great the one of the reasons i bring it up is in the first episode maybe the second uh Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney are meeting each other for the first time, which is funny because you think they would have met before buying a club, but they're just like, hi, uh, I'm Rob and I'm Ryan. You guys, you want to buy a club together? Sure. So they go to LA to meet each other and they go to some movie studio that happens to be the same movie studio Die Hard was filmed at. So you see Nakatomi Plaza and then they show a bunch of clips of Die Hard and like there's apparently a big Bruce Willis mural on the wall and all the... um all the vent scenes they're talking about. And I was like, wow, this is a lot of Bruce Willis content (laughs) right at the beginning. Um, So yeah, that's welcome to Wrexham. I find it very enjoyable. Um, You don't have to be a sucker football fan to enjoy it. I think it's, it's funny. Uh, It's good to watch. Uh, That's a good recommendation and a good note for me because I'm not a big football fan. So (laughs) yeah, I mean, it's definitely, like I said, it definitely is, for americans because it definitely holds your hand a lot Mm -hmm. um but it's still super funny and super interesting and the episodes are short nice um i'm like two-thirds of the way through it i think the final episodes are airing next week they air like two or two or three a week um okay i'll try to blast through the rest of these pretty quickly um uh the good fight is another show that i think i've brought up a couple times it is a show on paramount plus so if you're subscribed for all that Star Trek, sweet Star Trek content, you should watch this show. It is loosely uh, a sequel, another connection here, mm-hmm. to the CBS show The Good Wife, which was on five or six seasons. Also a good show, but definitely more of like a standard legal procedural drama. Um, this is a spinoff of that, 
and is it is wild that and every season i cannot believe the things they're doing so the first season comes out right after donald trump is elected and the whole premise is it's this woman who is a fairly like well-off chicago democrat who's like got pictures of her shaking hillary clinton's hand Mm-hmm. And she's like, you know, oh, I expected Hillary to get elected president. And then she like wakes up day one and Donald Trump's president. And every episode they are every and it, it gets more and more weird as the show goes on. But they dive into outrageous things, but things that were actually happening. So like there's a whole bit about a um, all these judges got nominated or put in place federal judges but they weren't really like great judges or even judges to begin with. So there's all these federal cases they have to try. And these people have like never been in a courtroom before. (laughs) And the judges is like doing things that are just ridiculous. And you're like, Oh yeah, this actually happened or dealing with, uh, fake, fake, um, uh, Trump members of the family pretending to be Trump. So they could like try to steal the P tape from people. Um, there's like whole plot lines around NSA spying on people. Uh, wow. And then they'll off, like as the show goes on, they'll have like little animated breaks where they explain to you like the actual historical relevance to a thing. So they'll be like, this is why this system in America is so messed up. And they'll have a little, it's like, you know, schoolhouse rock, but how, how a bill is made, but they'll be like, this is why we have this messed up thing or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I'm just like, I cannot believe this show got made. Um, and it's also um, the star of the show, Christine Berinsky, I think is her name, is a white woman. And she is working for a majority African-American law firm. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of tension there around race, especially in Chicago. And yeah. um, around like Black Lives Matter protests and stuff. And then I haven't gotten... The final season is just now airing, um, but they did they did several things around COVID that were kind of interesting. And uh, yeah, just a wild show that I continually am like, no one is talking about the show. It is the weirdest and wildest thing on the air. I don't know how anyone like agreed to put this on, but what's it on? Paramount Plus. Oh, right. And you don't oh. have to have seen The Good Wife to appreciate it. Um, I think it helps a little bit, but it's fine without Uh all the cast is great. Um, and it's just, it's like a little surreal watching now that we are in like, ap- after Trump's presidency, you know, we're in the, we're in the quiet period before another presidential election, <laughs> watching this show that's set during Trump's presidency. And you're like, oh yeah, the news constantly of like cringing every time something happened. And you're like, what's, how's this going to, how's this going to, mm-hmm. what's going to happen here? Um, yeah, it's great stuff. Great yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, so that's the good fight on Paramount+. Plus. Uh, all right, moving forward. The Bear, another show on Hulu, uh, came out this summer. Probably heard about it if you paid attention to popular TV Twitter at the time. It's about a restaurant in Chicago. Um, I'm not like a Chicago kick. Uh the... I think you brought this up one time. Oh, did I? No. Yeah, because yeah, uh, 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 Frank Frank Grillo. No, what is that guy's name? John 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 Bern Bernanthal. He plays like a brother that oh, passes yeah. away. 
Mm-hmm. Did um, I bring this up? I'm pretty sure that you did. It was on my yeah. list. As on my list, I didn't take it off, so I apologize if I. It's a it's a cooking thing. I'll, I'll just say what I remember Kendrick talking about this show. Okay, okay, um, okay. I'll be the one to pitch it. So it's a uh, um, not Frank Grillo, the John John, John John Bernthal. Yeah, he plays a guy who runs a restaurant, and then he dies, and then his brother has to go take over the restaurant, and it's a different type of restaurant than what he's used to running. And it's all the dynamics of how to run this restaurant and stuff like that, because he comes from a very high end restaurant. Right. And he has to run like a yes. corner and store deli, whatever the fuck. Kind of, yes. I mean, the major um, like mental health and like mm. how we how fa- how we treat family mm. is like the major through line of this show um, and substance abuse and all that kind of stuff. Um it's very high energy. So if you don't want to be stressed out while watching something, it's probably not for you. But I watched all 10 episodes or whatever, like in a couple of days. It was super compelling. Nice. Um, yeah. Trigger warning for a lot of things. Suicide, substance abuse, mm-hmm. uh, ver- verbal abuse. Um, thanks for uh, reminding me that uh, I... Uh, already brought it up. Okay, almost done. If I can get my tab to change. Uh, the other thing I was gonna mention was a animated show I just watched called Over the Garden Wall. Are you familiar mm, with this? I've heard about it. I've heard tell about it. Um, I don't know why I heard about it. It's an older show, 2014. Um, the cast is great. It's like I said, an animated show, but it has. Elijah Wood, Melanie Linsky, Christopher Lloyd. Um, I could just go on. It's a wow. really whimsical. Oh, John Cleese is in it. Um, it's a really strange animated. John Cleese, show. we can't do comedy anymore. <laughs> yeah, John <I> Cleese. <laughs> yeah, this is 2014, back before comedy was over, Josh. Oh, okay, okay. Um, <laughs> uh, basically, the premise is like, two brothers are in the woods and they're lost and they're trying to find their way home and every episode. Mm-hmm. And then Melanie Linsky plays this like talking bird that helps them. And every episode they like get into some weird, uh, shenanigans. Nice. Um, it's definitely like fall vibes. Like there's, you know, falling leaves and it's set kind of around Halloween and people um, fall down in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People autumn down. Oh, that doesn't work. Oh, fuck. I always uh, get those two confused. Yeah. Yeah. They ought to fall down. Nope. Um, yeah. Oh, you, you, get, get, get autumn. Sorry, Josh, you disappeared there for a second. <laughs> uh, I think this is also on Hulu. It's, uh, just one season. It's like a mini series. I don't, um, it definitely is like a single story that sort of wraps up by the end. So it's great. Mm-hmm. Just, I think it's 10 episodes. Like the episodes are like 12 minutes or something. Yeah. So you could watch it on like a single sitting. Um, that's over the garden wall. All right. Nice. Well, thank you for those, uh, all those recommendations. I feel like if people had empty watch, li- watch lists or watch laters, they are now uh, full and brimming with content. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm here for. So, to talk about, oh yeah, talk about Hell great yeah. things. Um, okay, so I am going to go ahead and recommend um, uh, books I've been reading lately and a show, but I will give a massive um, 
a massive asterisk next, next to the show's recommendation. Um, so I've been watching Amazon's uh, The Rings of Power and have, I think we might have talked about this previously, and you're waiting for it all to release, and then you're going to subscribe it once and watch it all, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so I'm watching The Rings of Power. We can talk about Rings of Power stuff later. Um, my main problem with it is that in a world where we aren't really losing any media and everyone's making things, it's um, kind of like you have so many different choices that you're making and what type of media to consume. Cause Kendrick gave all these recommendations and I will, even though I'm interested in all of those, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to watch all of them um, because we're just constantly inundated with choices that we have to make. And then you're reaching back for like the comfort shows or the comfort movies and stuff like that. Like I'm, I watched through DS nine again, Star Trek DS nine. And um, I'd already seen that show before and it's still a comforting show and still fun and topical at times and stuff like that. Um, This show doesn't feel like it's maybe a show that I will revisit in the grand scheme of all of television and movies and everything like that. Um, I've watched the Hobbit movies. I watched the first one maybe a couple of times and then the other ones I've watched once and I might watch a re-edit of them, but I don't know that I'm going to pick them up again. But I've seen the Lord of the Rings movies many times, and I love the world and everything. So I think that it can be good at times, but there, there's so many different things to choose from, and it probably doesn't make the full the full Bruce Willis. It's a <laughs> Bruce in a little bit. Um, and especially the, uh, the, the fact that it exists... Um, it's kind of a, a capitalism sort of a thing where like, Hey, this property makes money. So we're going to make stuff that exists in it. And even if there is good legitimate art that's in it, I don't know. It's just kind of slow at times. And yeah, we should definitely do a, its existence. <laughs> we should definitely do a rings of power. Uh, yeah. to- talk after it yeah. all comes out. So all that to say, love the world. I decided to go back and revisit the books and so I've been listening to the Andy Circus audiobook versions of The Lord of the Rings, and I love them. Um, several things have been just kind of uh, touching me in my my soul in different different ways, shapes, and forms. The uh, a lot of the the Rivendell stuff um, I kind of was bored by when I was a kid because I haven't read these the books since I was a kid, um, and I'm just picking out different things that make me fall in love with Tolkien's writing even more and more. Um, the, the, the old Bilbo stuff where he's still kind of talking about the ring and kind of whimsically looking back on his time with it and kind of being like, well, I could just go take it. Bilbo's got everyone into this mess and Bilbo would get everyone out of it. Um, and him uh, also like having that flash where he the rings power kind of takes over him for a moment and he um forgets or he frodo sees basically a, a figure that doesn't even appear to be his his old uh, uncle or anything like that it just reminds me of those people who are in like the throes of addiction and when you're friends with them and they're kind of flirting with their addiction being like oh i could just um if it's alcoholism i could just have like a couple of drinks or whatever i'm not gonna i'm not gonna get drunk or I'm not going to throw up or whatever. And then you can see that they've got kind of that dependency and stuff that's around it. 
and Bilbo's treatment of the ring kind of echoes a lot of those things. And so I, I was um, just moved by that. And there's a, a big long poem that is told. That's just a, a sprawling epic as far as poems go um, about the, uh, the trip or the sailing of, of Arendil, uh, whatever the guy's name is. <laughs> Um, but it's, it's so good and I love them. Andy circus does a great job with all the reading and stuff. You just got to bump the speed up, but the Lord of the Rings audiobooks is what I'm going to recommend wholeheartedly. I give it full Bruce Willis. That's great. I haven't read those books since I was a kid. Um, I'd love to sit down and reread them at some point, but uh, you're, it's interesting. I would, yeah, I would, we'll love to talk more about, um, uh, rings of power at some point. I definitely am feeling the like content fatigue at times. Mm -hmm. And it's like, if a thing isn't giving me life, like bye-bye. But then it's also, there's that like completionist part of you. That's like, I started this thing. I should Mm -hmm. finish this thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I only have two episodes of Star Trek Picard season two to finish. And then I will have finished uh, Star Trek Picard season two. You're so close. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I am proud though that I stopped at Falcon and the Winter Soldier because I was not enjoying my time in that show, and yeah. I've watched all but the last episode, and I'm not going to watch the last one. Good call. Good call. I'm done. Are you watching <laughs> any of uh, Andor? I I'm not, but I I'm interested in checking it out because it's helmed by Tony Gilroy, right? I think so. Um, yeah. I have watched all the Star Trek live action shows. Um, oh yeah, to my chagrin, I definitely need to be better at. Uh, uh, yeah, Tony Gilroy is, is writing it. Yeah, need to be better about shutting that shit down. But uh, yeah. they've all been kind of disappointing to me. This one so far is I really liked. It helps Star that Wars, not... you're saying, or Star Trek? This Andor. Really oh, because you said Star Trek. A oh, second sorry. Ago. I've seen yeah. all the live action Star Wars shows. Oh, yes. Um, I only really not... liked Mandalorian season one and then everything else that I've watched. I've been kind of like, meh. On. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that I thought that was fine. It didn't. It was like, OK, I'm just we've talked about this before. I kind of am tired of like, oh, the desert planet. All Star mm-hmm. Wars takes place on the desert planet. And there's no desert planets so far. Four episodes in. Wow. Uh, to Andor. Not a mention of any desert. Wow. Um, well, so... might be my new favorite Star Wars show. I'll have to check it out. <laughs> <laughs> it's I mean, you know, it's still early. It could it could poo poo itself. Season two uh, takes place entirely on Jakku and Tatooine. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but yeah. Yeah, it's fun so far. Um nice. yeah, too much content. Okay. Uh really quickly here at the end, I wanted to chat briefly. There was some news about Bruce Willis selling his likeness to a deep fake mm-hmm. um curious are you th- what your thoughts are do you think there's any sort of nefariousness going on like is it possible in your mind that his agent is pressuring him to do things knowing that he maybe not have full control of his mental faculties just to get money or do you think this is like bruce willis being like sure i'll do this this seems interesting hmm because i think um, there was some there was some murmurings of that around the time of his health news coming out being like mm-hmm. was his agent or his family or somebody pushing him into working for the money um 
or because you know they've been supportive but also it could just be a a, a ruse for yeah. the public um yeah i don't know i don't know what your thoughts are there i guess the i don't really have enough information to go off of because from what i understood about aphasia and i'm not a person that is qualified to talk about this at all this is just what i understood of it was that it was a thing that affects kind of the connections in your brain about what sounds go to what words so that when you're speaking you might start getting stuff mixed up but you think that you're saying it clearly um and so it becomes this frustration where it's like you you have this communication breakdown because um the things that you're trying to say are not the things that are um coming out of your mouth um that's what i thought that it was but i think that based on kind of the other rumors where like Bruce Willis allegedly said on set, um, like, I don't know where I am and stuff like that. I think that it's probably a good guess that there's other stuff going on too, that we're not entirely sure about. And if that is the case, it is entirely possible that this was kind of a malicious move, um, kind of a cash grabby sort of a situation. Um, it also just, it's a very, very strange black mirror esque sort of a, a world that we're entering in with all these deep fake technologies and stuff like that. Um, I, I'm a big fan of digital de-aging because that's something where you're still basing it on the actor's performances and it still keeps that humanity there, even if it's um, still artificial in many ways. But when we're getting into the, deep faking of bruce willis so that you can bill a movie as having bruce willis in it there's that like james dean movie that's coming out or came out that Mm -hmm. uh artificially recreates uh what james dean looked like and stuff like that and then the news also that um uh what's the guy's name uh that does darth vader what is that actor's name james earl jones yeah james earl jones he just sold the rights to darth vader's voice um to disney so that they can uh use computers to create that it's an interesting place i don't think we need digital de-aging i think uh hire a hire a different actor hire a younger actor yeah uh, that was the worst part of rogue one was the digital de-aging on both oh yeah um what's his nuts the the lead general man um i don't know his name general so-and-so and And uh the the bad guy yeah. Um, um not Ben Mendelsohn, but character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um they could have just hired another actor. Like yeah. someone who kind of talks like him. Um, you know, that's fine. Yeah. Um and Carrie Fisher's Yeah, and Carrie end. Fisher. Yeah. yeah. Carrie Fisher. She looks so so weird in that and yeah. very, yep. very stretched out. I don't know. I, I there's other ones where it's it's shown up and it hasn't looked bad to me. Like I think um a good example of that would be um the Captain Marvel movie with a younger Nick Fury. Oh, yeah. Like I think that Samuel L. Jackson, <laughs> except for whenever great. he ran as a young man, you could yeah, tell or whenever he like running. leans, it looks like yeah, he's yeah. <laughs> butter scraped yeah. over too much bread. <laughs> yeah. So oh, you have been yeah. reading a lot of the rings. I have um, been. <laughs> the classic example is the Irishman that yeah. three, almost four hour movie from a couple years ago where you have like Al Pacino and Robert De Niro. And I think that's okay, I guess. That's probably the only type of digitally de-aging I'd be okay with is where in the same movie, they're playing old and young versions of themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess that's a a good counterpoint is that I, or a good clarifying point is that I do support it when the actor is 
playing both within the same movie and the them being younger is used for like a story reason mostly rather than a um yeah yeah like if they if the movie like boyhood or whatever was made and they just digitally (laughs) de-age ben platt through the different eons that would just be terrible so wow or what if they digitally aged him yeah (laughs) i want to see some of that where you get a child actor playing adults like yeah you get the Mm -hmm. worst of both worlds yeah show that to me that sounds fun uh yeah okay yeah well we'll be talking about this topic as it comes up more i'm sure that like the news just broke a couple of days ago as we're recording this. So yeah, are we gonna have it. to fucking watch these movies as well? Like my favorite tweet or whatever on this was, they can finally <laughs> with a resemblance. <laughs> well, you had a good bit too, where you're like, maybe we can finally get a Hudson Hawk two out of this. Oh whole yeah, thing. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, oh man. man, yeah, yeah. I mean, I would also be fine with the Hudson Hawk reboot because it's got good good ideas um yeah you don't need right hire hire a different actor to play young bruce willis uh, J- J- joseph gordon levitt yeah be uh <laughs> that's a call forward to our looper episode which hey. we'll someday get to uh okay well do you have anything else you want to share here before we wrap this up no I, th- I think that's it um thank you as always to everyone for listening and thanks to uh kendrick for co-hosting with me yeah you bet thanks for to our listeners if there's anything you want us to talk about in our little chit chatty bonus show episode you know you can get a hold of us at willisway pod on twitter or willisway pod at gmail.com bye goodbye District 12, listen up right here. There's a new name on the ballot for the Senate this year. My name is Linda Paulson, Republican and awesome. Love God and family and the Constitution. I tried to get another conservative to run. Nobody could do it, so I'm getting it done. 